Today on Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet, Walk Like a Man. everybody, welcome to Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet, podcast where we talk about every Bruce Springsteen song in alphabetical order one by one per episode. I forgot what my normal, like, jargon <laughs> One by one per We talk about episode. it one by one, like, uh, in alphabetical order. My that's name is right. Rob Carmack. That's, that's the key right there. That's what I forgot. Alphabetical it's order. It's in alphabetical order. That's the difference between us and all the other podcasts. We're doing this alphabetically, and uh, until recently, that was pretty simple. And you know, now we we've learned that there's more uh, material coming, and that's gonna that's, right. that, that's gonna shake things up a bit. So I'm Rob Carmack, and I'm joined here as always by JB Clark. JB, how we doing? I am. I am. Uh, feel vindicated. We've been talking about how Bruce listens to this podcast for <laughs> years now, and we've always said on this podcast, you know what, we're gonna get to the very end, and he's gonna drop a new record like that day. We we literally have said that. Okay, now for those who are listening. You're, you're thinking, Bruce announced the Western Stars album weeks ago. You're correct. But we haven't recorded a new episode since then. Yes. This is the first time that JB and I are actually talking. So, yes. We've had, we've had a, uh, some, some near misses and some, mis- some, some cross lines. We, haven't, we just haven't been able to link up. I mean, look, that's why we put a little, little bat behind the scenes. That's why we put some in the bank. We put a few, few in the bank just in case people have to travel last minute. Uh, somebody gets yeah. a sick kid. Somebody's wife goes into labor. You know who knows? Who knows what the future holds? We've, so that's we've why... done three batches of these. We've recorded a year at a time, three three separate times. <laughs> that's right. You you may not realize that this is still January of 2019. I'm joking. Yeah. It's not. We're recording this it is May, but all that to say, we just got the information about Western Stars. We're uh, you know relatively recent since since the last time we recorded we're, we, we've been talking about it a little bit off mic and like you said jb we've been saying for years bruce we're gonna get to the very end of this and bruce is gonna be like all right guys now that you're like just a hair away from the z's from zero and blind terry here's 13 new songs just dropped yeah. right in your lap most of them start at the beginning of the alphabet so uh that's <laughs> that's where we're at with it and um you know we'll throw it in so for those who have asked just in case you're wondering, this has been the plan ever since the beginning, which is we're going to do another lap. And on the second lap, we're going to we're not going to do all the other all the songs again. But the songs that we didn't get on the first lap, we're going to go back through. We're going to um, we're, we're going to get as many or we're going to get whatever we haven't talked about yet. So we, we did talk about the Ballad of Jesse James, which came out after we started the podcast. But, you know, we hadn't gotten to the tease at this point. It's it is now confirmed. Bruce is not putting out any songs that fit into the alphabet after where we are. So we have to start over, you know, in, in a sense. So probably what we'll do is we will get all the way through Zero to Blind Terry, um, and we will, I, we'll probably want to take some kind of like one or two weeks of hiatus just to familiarize ourselves with the, with the new material. And then we'll come back around, and we'll, we'll go back in, and we'll pick up whatever we missed, and we'll do a few more episodes. And then JB's expecting uh, a brand new little baby girl pretty soon. And yep. um, when is that happening, JB? What, what's the due date there? The due date is August 6th. Okay, August the 6th. So sometime around then. I, I, I haven't done... Have you done the math? Do you know when we're supposed to hit zero in Blind Terry? Let me see how far out I am. Is it before or after that? I feel like we're going to get there first. We Take Care of Our Own is 523. That's as far out as I've gotten. Okay, so we may we haven't done the math all the way out yet, but we may or may not get through Zero and Blind Terry before JB and April have their, their baby. And that will probably, 
wherever we are on the calendar as it relates to that, that will determine like if we do a hiatus or if we just jump back in on the second lap yeah. or, or whatever. So I feel like we will get through it before I have a baby. I don't know if they'll release before then. I guess that's true. I mean, like like we said, we've been banking them, and um, and la- like the the thing that has kept us from. Mi- I mean, it, we've had to do we've had to do a couple of like brief hiatuses every like a couple of times, but it's been relatively minimal. And the reason for that is because we've been able to bank some, you know, in in anticipation of those kinds of things. So we'll try and do that, so we don't have to have uh, too long of a break between episodes. Anyway, that, that's probably more than anybody needed to know, but that's that's something we're aware of, and we will definitely talk about all of the songs off of Western... Is it Western Stars? Did I say Western Skies yeah, or Western Stars? Yeah, Western Stars. See, I haven't even gotten... <laughs> that's how new this is. Um... So we'll we'll get all those episodes done, and you know that'll that'll be part of the canon once it's all said and done. All right. Well, that said, today we're not talking about that. We're talking about Walk Like a Man, JB. That's right. We're talking about Walk Like a Man. This is uh, not to be confused with the song with of the exact same title from Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons, also a New Jersey act. This is Bruce Springsteen's version of Walk Like a Man, which is very different than the Frankie Valli version. Right, and uh, this song comes from the 1987 album Tunnel of Love because that's where we're at. And uh, let's see, the Rolling Stone magazine names this as the number 65 greatest Bruce Springsteen song of all time on their top 100 list. And the most recent performance of the song was August the first, 2005, on the Devils and Dust tour in Cincinnati, Ohio. It was played. The song was played twice on the Devils and Dust tour. And all the other performances were in 1988 on the Tunnel of Love Express tour. So he did do this on the original Tunnel of Love tour and then brought it out two more times in 2005. And those are the only times the song has been played, which that's pretty cool. I, I would like to hear the, the Tunnel of Love or the, I'm sorry, the Devils and Dust tour version of the song. But that was pretty nice. Yeah. You know, so those are the basic facts. This is, a, again, it's a Tunnel of Love song. Musically, JB, this is a, it's a little sweet little ballad. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty, it's pretty laid back. Just kind of clicking on the snare drum. It's nice. There's some synth in there. Duh. Talking about tonal love. I was gonna ask. Do you find the synthesizers uh, distracting in this song? Not so much in this one. I think. I mean, I. There are very few places on this record where you could remove, uh, where you couldn't remove some synth. Like, like it's part of the scaffolding. Like it just yeah, holds like the whole thing just, up. Yeah, just tear some out. I think I think you should totally. T- no, no, I'm saying you could. You could just totally tear some out mm. uh, of any song, and and it be maybe better or at least the exact same. Yeah, I mean, there are definitely songs on this record you could dial it back. Yeah, but yeah, the melody is really calm and understated. Um, there's some nice little weird chord jumps. Rhythmically, there's. Did you see this thing about what Chuck Plotkin said about the recording of this? Uh, no, I didn't see that. So what's interesting, one of the things, I mean, we, we spent a lot of time talking about Brennan O'Brien and Ron Aniello as producers of um, various albums. One of the names that hasn't really come up here a lot is Chuck Plotkin. Chuck Plotkin was the producer on this record. So apparently there were a lot of technical problems while they were, specifically while they were mixing this exact song. And according to Plotkin, there, there was some kind of dissonance between Bruce's singing, his playing, and the drum machine. Like there was some sort of rhythmic thing that wasn't working. In in the post mix, and and so I guess I guess Chuck Plotkin called Bruce and told him about it, but Bruce didn't want to go back in and re-record it, which is odd because Bruce is such a perfectionist. But he apparently yeah. at a certain point he was like, I don't want to go back. Like he just straight up was like, I don't want to do it again. And so uh, Plotkin tried to fix the, the rhythm track in post, and he has said he thinks someone hit the wrong setting on the drum machine. And he says, and this is a quote, he says they really didn't know how to work that thing. 
In regard, the people who were working in the studio on the new Bruce Springsteen album in 1987, quote, didn't know how to work that thing in regards to the drum machine. Huh. And, um, and so apparently that really messed up how the whole thing was recorded and mixed. And Brian Hyatt, in his book, points out that the album was made before the age of e- easy digital editing. So fixing the track was, again, according to Chet Plotkin, quote, a major operation. So if you if you listen to this and you're like, that was an interesting choice rhythmically. It's possible that wasn't a choice. It's possible that that was that was Plotkin going in like basically doing the best surgical job he could put together. Yeah, because huh, there was some sort of button pushed on the drum machine. That's that's uh, weird. That like something this. I just feel like a, something of this magnitude. You know, that that wouldn't happen on. And then also maybe like we would have never found. It's weird that we found out about it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's funny. Like, Bruce doesn't mention it. Chuck Plotkin mentions it. You know what I mean? Like, this, this is... Yeah. Which tells you, like... And, and there's all sorts of stories and speculation about, like, the, the troubled... Like, the how the morale was during the recording of this. Because the, the E Street Band was pretty much just being, like, kind of given the cold shoulder by Bruce. And, I mean, and really, that story right there that, like, Plotkin calls Bruce and tells him, like, hey, we got a problem on the on the mix on Walk Like a Man. We need to re-record it. And Bruce says, just fix it in post. And he doesn't want... Like, th- the fact that Bruce Springsteen doesn't want to go back in and and repair a track that's going to go on a, like, the final version of an album, the album that's supposed to follow up Born in the USA, like... It's pretty wild. It's pretty crazy. And that, I think that tells you kind of where Bruce was in his headspace, right? Like, that, yeah. that clearly he was, he, he was going through a lot when they were making this this album and specifically recording the song and and maybe it was just sort of like a like maybe in his headspace he just wasn't really fully in it when at that point in the post you know right right like he just like the fact that he just straight up was like i don't want to go back in i don't want to fix this and that he was willing to release it anyway that's it that is i think that's crazy i i don't know that there's a lot of like 1975 Bruce Springsteen or 1970 like the the guy the guy who spends 11 hours tweaking the snare drum on the Darkness on the Edge of Town album is not the guy who's like I don't know just fix it in post you know what I mean yeah I mean I get it like I have songs that I'm just like whatever with that are nowhere near done (laughs) uh because I just don't care to listen to a song over and over and over because I play music for fun I'm not a perfectionist I'm not like a uh, I'm not known worldwide as like a uh, difficult perfectionist to be in the studio with. <laughs> right. People typically think of me as like a pretty chill guy to make music with, you know, like I'm all, cause I say things like whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and sure. Well, that's and, not yeah. things that Bruce says, you know? Well, and that's the thing is like, there are artists who are kind of, who are like that, you know? And, but Bruce isn't one of them, you know, like, like, right. the, like this is, this makes as much sense as if you were to hear about like Paul McCartney saying that, or, um, I don't know now off the top of my head, I'm having a hard time thinking of other artists, but like there are artists that are just known for being really like have having really strong feelings about things being exactly right before it goes out in the world, you know, and, and that, and then in 1987, he kind of was a little bit blase about, nah, just fix it and put like, what? No, yeah. no, you don't understand the drum machine like is doing something weird and the rhythm is not working. Like you, you have to come in here. And so, but for Chuck Plotkin, like a, a less capable producer that, I mean, that would have been a, a real problem. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, that, that was a really interesting anecdote. I thought, uh, in regards to this song. So, uh, so now like wh- what else do you hear when you, when you listen to this? A couple more things going on here. Uh, there's some cool, weird chord jumps. So, so the bass is really driving the progression, but then also they, there's like some, 
just the progressions aren't aren't super straightforward pop progressions in some places that sort of as sweet as it is kind of imply that there's like some difficulty underlying the whole thing i think is is the theme that i'm getting and i i like that i think that's cool and that's that's what I got musically. Well, let's uh, let's talk lyrics. This is yet another one of Bruce's father son songs. This is a lot more tender, I think, than say Adam raised the king or yes. Independence Day. Like this, this is a softer side of Bruce because now he's he's older and he's beginning to to maybe see the world through his dad's eyes a little bit more than he used to. So. Um, right. So th- this is definitely a father. Which I mean, the number of times we talked about father son songs, and I mean Bruce says that. One time before his dad died, like he asked his dad, like, "What are your favorite songs of mine?" And his dad said, "The ones about me." And, yeah, <laughs> uh, th- this goes in that list for sure. So uh, uh, that's funny. Yeah, so it reminds me of the Jeff Tweedy, uh, his dad. I forget what song it was, but he was just like, "I like this song. You should write more songs like this." And it was like the least Jeff Tweedy song. <laughs> oh, it was Hummingbird, uh, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 that's what it was. Yeah, and your and his dad, he was like, "Okay, dad, I'll just write more." More hummingbird songs, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> that is funny. Yeah. I the, after reading Jeff Tweedy's autobiography, I I found I found that there's a lot of similarities between Jeff Tweedy and Bruce Springsteen. Yes. I think Jeff Tweedy is more one of those guys that's like, ah, I didn't really work in post, but it's it'll work out. You know, Jeff Tweedy's a lot more chill than Bruce Springsteen right. will ever be. But um, like like if you told me that story about the Chuck Plotkin thing about there being a weird thing on the mix and. I, if you were to say like Jeff Tweedy called and said like yeah I just fix it in post however like however it comes out it'll work out like I'd believe that you know but I uh, anyway I, I, that 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 story makes so little sense to me <laughs> having you know spent this much time anyway uh, let's let's do the lyrics here's the first verse it says I remember how rough your hands felt on mine on my wedding day and the tears cried on my shoulder I couldn't turn away well so much has happened to me that I don't understand. All I can think of is being five years old, following behind you at the beach, tracing your footprints in the sand, trying to walk like a man. So he's talking about his dad, and he's sort of connecting these two memories, like the the the, the memory of his wedding day and the memory of being a child at the beach with his dad. And he's connecting these two very like very strong memories, and how you know I remember like wishing I could be more like you, and now finding myself like realizing like I kind of am a little bit, yeah, you know. And which is interesting because the the like he he connects these two very tender memories, which up to this point in Bruce's body of work, the things we know about Bruce Bruce's relationship with his dad is not a tender one. Like like I said, Adam raised the cane, Independence Day. There's all like all we know of Bruce's relationship with his factory. Even like what we know right. about Bruce's relationship with his dad. One is that there is a lot of tension, and two, Bruce kind of pities his dad. You know, like he um, like that's what factory is all about. You know, like I I won't like I saw this. Like the line of, I'm not gonna, or no, this Independence Day, where where he says, um, I ain't gonna let them do to me what I watch them do to you. Like, so we we have this like for forever. We have this notion like Bruce has never really had a lot of like admiration for his dad. If nothing else, Bruce has like spent his whole life trying to not become his father, and yeah. so it's this interesting sort of realization on his wedding day that it it wasn't always like this. Like Bruce does have like these tender memories like at the beach. Like remembering like when his dad, I don't know if he would ever say that his dad was his hero, but like that his dad was, was a person that he looked up to and admired in a certain kind of way, you know, and that yeah. it, that it takes like him being like on his wedding day to, to kind of realize that. And then, of course, we have the classic Bruce Springsteen refrain, not a chorus, but the refrain where it says trying to walk like a man. And then there's like the break. And then the second verse is by our lady of the roses, we lived in the shadow of the elms. I remember me dragging... 
I'm, I'm sorry. I remember Ma dragging me and my sister up the street to church. Whenever she heard those wedding bells, well, would they ever look so happy again, the handsome groom and his bride, as they stepped into that long black limousine for their mystery ride. Well, tonight you step away from me, and alone at the altar I stand. And as I watch my bride coming down the aisle, I pray for the strength to walk like a man. So again, it's, you know, he, he doesn't have a lot of, like, reference points in terms of, like, like, I know what it means to be a rock star. What I don't know what it means is to to be someone who has accepted life as a married man, you know? Yeah. And again, connecting the childhood memory to what's going on. So it's really more about his wedding than it is about his dad. But, like, it's it's about how he relates to his dad at his wedding. And then finally, the third verse is, Well, now the years have gone, and I've grown from that seed you've sown. But I didn't think there'd be so many steps I'd have to learn on my own. Well, I was young, and I didn't know what to do when I saw your best steps stolen away from you. Now I'll do what I can. I'll walk like a man, and I'll keep on walking. So, so again, like that. now we're sort of getting back to the Bruce Springsteen that we know, where he's like, the older I got, the more I saw like that you were kind of struggling too. And it's, but it's less pity, and it's more empathy, right? It's more, it's more like I... I, I see I see the world the way a little bit more the way you see it now. Like I didn't think there'd be so many steps I'd have to learn on my own. That like wow, like the what what I saw my father going through must have really been a struggle. And like they maybe maybe my my dad and my mom made some some things look easy. And now I'm realizing like oh, it, <laughs> they may have made it look easy, but it wasn't. I just kind of love the way it evolves. You know, we have those three like the the child, the new husband, and just a growing man. Yeah, and, and the way that like you see the same man. And his same actions in different, a different perspective uh, throughout. Yeah, for um, sure. I don't know. It's really, it's a really sweet song. Like if you have a, a, a like my dad uh, is a real big figure uh, in my life and in anyone's life he's in. And so like um, that line, just that line always resonates with me in the beginning. Being five years old and following down behind you at the beach, tra- tracing your footprints in the sand. It's like that that was the same for me, except for like on the farm, you know, just trying to carry some tool, you know, to like be useful and walk like you. Yeah. You know, this guy in coveralls walking up to the tractor or whatever. And and uh, yeah. And then I love this wedding line, this this moment where it's like, all right, here we go. Need some advice. Need looking up, looking up to my dad. Oh, wait, this is the part where he leaves me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and, and also just like the the humanity of it, like the the realization that when you're a kid, you think your parents have it all figured out, and yeah. then like the older you get, the more you realize like, oh, we're all just like, because he has this notion of like when I'm I'm a kid and one day I'm going to know what it means to walk like a man, and and the last line is and I'll keep on walking. In other words, I still don't know. Like I'm I'm at my like the song is set at his wedding, and he's like I don't know. Like like I'm. I'm still trying to figure it out and I'm still yeah. I'm still doing my best in spite of the fact that we're all kind of figure and I think maybe that's the moment where he sort of begins to really identify with his dad which is like oh wow you were just figuring it out too like we're all just doing right. our best and we're all like no nobody nobody is the man who sits on top of the mountain and just tells everybody how to do it we're like we're all just sort of we're, we are all students in this life you know yeah it kind of reminds me of like somebody be like oh I didn't know you had to do that I'm like I, I just googled it you know and like that's what you figured your dad you figured out your dad was just doing that the whole time like he's just googling it and uh not actually googling it google didn't really wasn't that helpful when i was a kid but yeah that yeah that moment where you realize like oh man they're just trying to get through this thing so yeah uh chuck plotkin 
once again, name drop, uh, the album's producer, says about this song. He says, There's something so strange and righteously true about a guy standing up there waiting for his bride to walk up the aisle to him, and he's thinking about his father. Which I think is very true. Like, this is a very human song. This is a very... It's a very vulnerable song. In fact, it's so vulnerable, I kind of wonder, like... Maybe maybe the reason Bruce didn't want to go back in to re-record that part, maybe it's not that he was just over it. Maybe he just like did not have the emotional energy to go back to the place it takes to think that hard about this song. You know? Yeah, for sure. I think that's a big part of it. And, and I mean, it's tough to listen to the same song over and over and over, especially the song that you wrote. A lot of people, when they hear it for the first time, you that that's the four millionth time you've heard it. Yeah. But but then whenever that song brings up so much and is so intense, you kind of you know. Yeah, just kind of quit. You just kind of quit wanting to play it. Well, and that the song or this song is on on the part of the album that's a little bit more optimistic about love and hope and marriage, and like, but clearly as Bruce writes this material and and especially towards, I'm sure once they got to to where they were, you know, doing the post edit, I mean, I'm sure at this point Bruce kind of knows at some level that his marriage is doomed. And so maybe maybe that's another reason why he doesn't really want to revisit it, which is like the whole thing is about how he admires his dad and how he's how he's trying to you know find his place in all this and like getting married is is the closest to an adult he's ever felt and like yeah but but it's not you know it's not going the way I wanted it to in fact it's it's kind of falling apart and you know I, again like maybe maybe he just couldn't go back to that place quite yeah. yet you know so I don't know man this this is a very tender song it's um it's I like it a lot. It, 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 I mean, the song gets me as a son, like because I mean, I don't know about you, like I, I think, like I, I cannot help but remember my wedding. Yeah, you know, my my dad was my best man at my wedding, and I can't help but mine know. too. Yeah, I know. I was you were there. Yeah, <laughs> I was the I was the guy standing on the other side of you. Yeah, so, y'all were awkwardly staring at each other for a while because me and April just like left for a little bit. Oh, I'm used to that. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. So. Uh, but but yeah, man. So it's I I think it's very difficult to hear the song as someone who's married and not to remember your own wedding, you know, not to not to know exactly what Bruce means. Like I didn't even know the song when I when I got married, but I I totally like I get it, you know. Like I if I had this would have been the song I had, you know. That I I was I I would have been thinking about this song had I known it at my wedding, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't have a lot else here do you like i mean melodically i think it's very pretty i really like i said i really like it no i I really don't have this is such a straightforward song and and it holds a really special place in my heart and uh, i could listen to it all day um but yeah there's nothing there's nothing you know too there's not too much about it that it doesn't say itself yeah I like it on this album too. I, I'm, I'm yeah. glad he included it because this this would have been an easy one for him to be like, I don't want to, you know. I mean, with with the recording problems and the and the emotional vulnerability of it all, it would have been easy for him to just sub this out for something else. And I'm I'm glad he, I'm glad he stuck to his guns and and kept it on because it's yeah. it is a really good song. Well, how many footprints in the sand would you give this song? Uh, four and a half. Yeah, me too. I'm also yeah. a four and a half. Yeah. Once again, lockstep. You, lockstep. you know what, JB? You you have bigger. I, I think I think you wear a bigger shoe size than me, so you're walking ahead of me in the sand, and I'm just it's a safe bet. I'm trying to I'm trying to make my make my feet fit where yours have gone. I'm trying to follow in your footsteps. Yeah, those were the moments you were carrying in, me, man. JB. Uh, there is a giant statue to that poem, if you'll call it a poem, in like somewhere in between Shreveport and Houston. 
just in this tiny town that I get speeding tickets in. Have you, you have you heard about this? How do you make a statue of footprints? No, no, no. The, those are the moments you carried me. There's yeah. this like 35 foot Jesus carrying like a 25 foot man. Like fireman style? Uh, no, like you would a baby. Ah, that's awkward. Is it the Sam Houston statue? Did they change Sam Houston to become Jesus? And and like now now he's carrying somebody? Because there's that massive Sam Houston statue. I think it's bigger than that Sam Houston statue. No way. <laughs> that Sam Houston statue is a monster. It literally frightens me every time I drive past it. Uh, I'm always surprised. I'm like, ah! Sam Houston's coming out of the woods to kill us all. It may be... It's in Carthage. It may be that like it's not even that big, but it's so it's a four, it's only fourteen feet tall. Uh, only fourteen feet, which is still big, but I think that um, same Houston like, statue is much bigger. Yeah, I think that it just shocked me. I didn't even, I didn't know it was there. It wasn't one thing where a thing where I was like, oh, this would be funny. It was a thing where I was like driving down the highway and I was like, whoa, 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 what? <laughs> what is that? Why? Yeah. <laughs> and we pulled over and just kind of. Uh, laughed for a while. Man, Texas. Texas is crazy. Also, Car- speaking of Texas being crazy, Carthage, best known probably for uh, it being the, the place of the real live events of the, of the film Bernie. Great, great movie. I love that movie so much. Uh, if, if, if you're out there and have not seen the movie Bernie, directed by the great Richard Linklater, highly recommend that movie. It is so good. If... If if you've ever wondered what is Texas like, this is the best I can give you. Not yeah, man. Not the searchers. Felt... Not any of this like like cowboy hat wearing like boots strutting. No, no, no. Bernie is the movie you need to watch to be like, got it. That's what Texas is. That could have been Longview. That could have been Van. That could have been White House. You know, that could, <laughs> like everywhere I've lived in Texas, East Texas. That was it. Oh yeah, specifically East Texas. Well, and there's there's a scene in the movie where a very helpful character breaks down the the five substates that is the state of Texas. I love that. Um, the best part of the whole movie. That guy, yeah. that same guy, is the guy who was doing all those Beto ads about Ted Cruz. Yep. Come on, Ted. Come on, Ted. I love that so much. That guy is a national treasure. Yeah. Uh all right. So we're both a four and a half on Walk Like a Man. That's good. Four and a half, walk like a man. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening, and we'll be back in your feed next week, and we're going to be doing the song "War." So we're going to we're going to have to say it exactly like that. So uh, everybody have a good weekend, and go listen to the new uh, the new song that Bruce dropped. Relative, I assume everybody's heard it by now. But if you're listening to this podcast, I'd be shocked if you haven't heard it. But uh, hope you're enjoying it. Go give it another listen if you're not quite sure, and uh, you know. Keep thinking about it, because we'll cover it at some point. But not next, because next, we're talking about the song War. So (gasps) we will see you then. Bye.